Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. The rest of you, if you will, tonight, turn with me to the book of 2 Kings uh, chapter 13. I'm going to continue a series of messages that I started last week on preparing for promotion. And it has been a joy in preparing digging things out in the Word of God because I'm very passionate about seeing people find their purpose and preparing for that purpose. In fact, in the first week of March, we will launch two new schools of ministry. One is Leadership School of Ministry, and we have Level 1 for those that have never been through it, and Level 2 for those that have completed Level 1. And we'll be meeting starting the first week of March all the way through September leading up to our leadership conference in the fall. So I would encourage you, if you are uh, studious and you desire to expand your leadership base and really grow in Christ and find out what he has for you in your future, to add this to your toolbox and be part of what God is doing in this house. In addition, we are launching our Be Leaders School student leadership teams. There is where we are training grades four through 12 to join in leadership development. Many times when you look around this congregation, during a service even, you'll, find, you'll see young people serving, and they're serving all across the campus. We're training them, we're teaching them principles, and we believe it's never too, you're never too young to grow and learn, amen? So we want to challenge you to get your student enrolled for this as well. Tonight, we want to continue part two of preparing for promotion. Say that out loud, I'm preparing for promotion. Now, most of us like promotion, don't we? We enjoy being promoted. We enjoy being bragged on. We enjoy someone patting us on the back. We enjoy a quarter more an hour raise. (laughs) We don't always enjoy the extra responsibility that comes with the raise, but we do enjoy a little more change. Amen. Especially today. And I want to minister, if I can, on this beautiful Valentine's Day that most people, some people are against, and, you know, everybody's got the peg in this, peg in everybody. Some people are so peg in this, peg in that, we can't even celebrate their birthday. So let me just say to you, if you are not a fan of holidays or whatever, that's okay. After service, we're going to give away free cookies. So rather than share your opinion, just eat a cookie. Amen. Amen. That went over very well. We want to put a little sweetness in everybody tonight. So uh, the unfortunate part is nothing sugar-free tonight. So you're going to have to use a little common sense in what you get. But we're going to give you something sweet tonight because you are a sweet people. 2 Kings chapter 13, starting in verse 14, tells the story about a man by the name of Elisha who was a prophet, and Elisha had been raised under the tutelage of a prophet by the name of Elijah. We are now at a point where Elisha is about to end. The season of his soul and his life is about to end, and yet there is instruction that he is giving to prepare for promotion. 2 Kings 13, verse 14, Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. 
Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. And this is what Jehoash said. He said, my father, my father. And he cried. The chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Now you have to remember that this is the same statement that Elisha made when Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind. He cried, my father, my father, and the horsemen thereof. He laid claim to spiritual paternity. It is never recorded in scripture that Elijah had children. If you find it, let me know. But Elisha assumed the role and claimed him as such. And he used that verbiage when Elijah was caught up in a chariot of fire. Now we find that Jehoash, the king of Israel, has come down to find the prophet dying and he cries the same thing. And Elisha instructs him, get a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha said, uh, Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. And then the Bible says something significant here in verse 20 that Elisha died and was buried. I don't know about you, but I don't think that I would want the prophet who has just given me instructions to be angry at me and die. And there be unfinished business. Are you with me? Do you have any unfinished business tonight? Do you have an apology you owe someone? Elisha died and was buried, but he died angry at the king because the king didn't live up to the potential that was in him and he was trying to prepare him for the promotion. I believe the outcome of every battle is decided before it begins. If you realize that that is the case, then you might would think different about what you're facing right now and you might push on it and see the potential of your problem. So there's two things that I felt led to bring back to you tonight and talk about, and that is number one, and number two, the level of potential and the level of preparation. There are two levels. Say with me, potential and preparation. Now notice you, don't, you can have potential, but unless you have preparation, I don't care how many prayer lines you get in, and how many prophetic utterances you get at all the conferences you visit, and all the oil they pour on your head, and all the declarations they've decreed over you, none of it's coming to pass until you line up with what God said. Amen? So it really doesn't really advance us to keep going to the conferences trying to get words from people when everything God told us is already right here. All we need to do is become a student of this word. 
the word will speak for itself. And so if God has called you to something, there's potential. But in order to achieve it, there has to be preparation. So before you reach your level of potential, you have to grind to your level of preparation. And I could stay right there all night because I've seen people come and I've seen people go. And I know people who have great potential, but they lack great preparation. They live off their talent. They live off of what got them by. They live off with what felt good. They live off with what has become com comfortable to the place that they've become complacent. And I could just visit that and we could talk about that because we all know some people who won't prepare. They won't do their due diligence. Let's just say it like this without being hateful. They're lazy. Now don't look at anybody, but say it out loud. They're lazy. They don't want to put in the work. They just think that God is going to supernaturally zap them with favor and hand everything to them. But God doesn't do it that way. He takes us into what we call preparation time. There has to be a season where God prepares you. Every Bible hero that you and I have read about had a season of preparation where they had to prepare for what God was taking them into. And I don't care if it's 2024 and we're all busy, and, and I know we're all busy. Some of you rushed here tonight, don't even remember getting here. You don't even remember the drive in. Some of you, you're just trying to catch up on your social media feed while I'm preaching. You got so many irons in the fire. But I just want you to understand that God has given us a potential, but he also requires of us a preparation. And being say, saying that, I would say this, that knowing that God is preparing me, I do not have the luxury of just showing up when I want to. I do not have the luxury of being hit and miss. Amen? I had a guy tell me just not long ago, he said, Pastor, my neighbor has come to church a couple times and, and you've not preached, you've not been here when he's come. And I said, well, if you only come once a quarter. <laughs> I'm usually here. Anyhow, that was for free. <laughs> I don't have the luxury of being hit and miss I'm, my Bible says that I must be instant in season and out of season. And I don't believe we'd be pastoring this church today if we had just put God on the, last, on the list in our life. So my question that I want you to write down and ask yourself is, are you performing up to your level of preparation? Because if you are performing up to your level of preparation, your performance will speak for itself. Elisha said to Jehoash, there was more that God had in store for him, but he stopped short. God is a God of preparation. And I believe there have been people here that have been praying, God send it. You've been praying, God, I'm asking you to do it. I'm asking you to make a way when there is no way. You're the wheel in the middle of a wheel. I know that you can turn things for my good and your glory, and you're asking God to send it, but God's asking you to form it. Because God can't fill what you don't form. It's called preparation. I have to make my vessel ready. Write this down. Your promise won't look like your preparation. It won't. You've got a promise on your life. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. You've got a yea, verily attached to it. <laughs> and it really, your preparation is going to look a lot different 
than the promise that you saw in your dream. Where God prepares you, it sometimes feels pointless. And I think about all the years ago, 25 years ago, when we came to Indianapolis to pastor this church, Buckeyes, who've become Hoosiers. You know, we've lived in Indiana longer than we lived in, in Ohio. I am a Hoosier. <laughs> for those of you that are offended, I say, God bless you. I still root for the OHIO, but I just, I'm a Hoosier. Amen? And all those years ago that we were cleaning the church, taking trash out, scrubbing the toilets, wearing our arms out, playing puppets on Tuesday night for the children, driving my car to pick up people when I hardly had any gas of my own, the 1981 Chevy Malibu, also known as the grocery getter. And I was running as a teenager, picking people up and bringing people to church. I didn't know that God was preparing me for this assignment. Can I talk to somebody? I was speaking from my own experience. I didn't have a bank account. I, I didn't have two nickels to rub together. I didn't have a rich uncle. I didn't have the luxury of just doing what I wanted. I didn't have any of that. All I had to do was apply myself and say, God, if I be faithful to something long enough, will you allow fruit to remain? Will you allow fruit to show up in my life? So I'm not standing here tonight as a, a, I know it all. I sure don't know it all. I'm not even speaking from theory of somebody's book that I downloaded on Amazon or Kindle. I'm speaking about principle. I'm speaking from philosophy. I'm, I'm sharing from experience. I didn't read about it. I lived it. Beverly didn't read about it. She lived it. Together, God joined us together. So this is our personal experience. And I've learned that little is much when God is in it. You don't have to have a no, you don't have to be networked with celebrities. You don't have to name drop and get, a, I'm attached to this circle of preachers and I'm attached. You don't have to do none of that. God will find you right where you are and raise you up out of the ash heap, raise you up off the threshing floor. That's the God that I serve. If you're faithful in the little, he'll make you faithful in the much. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm faithful in the much. But why would God give me more if I'm not working with what I have now? When our, when our staff and our uh, coaches come together and they start presenting to me the needs, and, and I can't, I always tell you, every time I get a, a list from our media department, it's like $20,000. They want uh, 10000 here, 5000 there. Uh, Pastor Ethan and Ben and I have talked about it uh, multiple times, and we don't even, we just say $20,000. That's all we say. It's just a joke among us now. But there's always a list, and then my question back to them is, are we making full use of what we already have? You want me to buy a new camera? We ain't even using the one we have on the shelf. Are you understanding? Now, I'm just, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. That's not really true because we are very good stewards of what we have. And I appreciate our team. Give our team a big hand because they really make everything stretch. My question is, are you sitting on your talent? Not giving, not preparing. I remember when we used to travel and preach at these youth rallies and youth conferences, wherever the doors were open, we were also local youth ministers and pastors in the local church serving under our pastors. And there were times that we didn't have enough money to pay our bills. We didn't have 
two cents hardly to put gas in the gas tank. We had traveled and preached somewhere. We couldn't hardly afford a number seven double cheese or a two cheeseburger meal combo that they have now. We'd have to split that if we got it. Come on. We didn't have all the people that we have with us now. I didn't have a team. We, we had a theme, but we didn't have no team. <laughs> we had a dream, but we didn't have no team. We didn't have no money. We didn't have no cash. We didn't have no cash. <laughs> we didn't have no greenback. Are you here? I preached to small crowds. I preached to large crowds. There was nights it was so lean, no, nobody even came. And it was discouraging sometimes. And I, I would uh, uh, go to, uh, we'd go to speak at the youth meetings and in our youth uh, services on Wednesday night. And I got some witnesses that were here with us in those early years. And I, you know, I would work all day and I'd come to church and I would give my, I'd be back there preaching and teaching and doing crazy illustrations and didn't even know what I was doing. And, and sometimes I didn't even know why I was there. And I would question myself. I would go home and beat myself up and say, that stunk. Uh, you, you just might as well quit and do them people a favor. And they'd keep coming. And now I know that that was all preparation. Hallelujah. That God was seeing if I would be faithful in the small thing. God was seeing when I'd be willing to pick up the gum foil on the, off the floor. Not walk by and say, well, they don't pay me. That's not my job. A real son in the house will scoop it up and put it in the trash and, or put it in their pocket so they can find a trash can because God is preparing you. Hallelujah. He's preparing you for your own house. If you're not faithful in another man's house, how could God ever give you your own house? If you're a renter, take good care of the property that you rent, even if your landlord is a hustler. You serve God, not man. Let your testimony be yea and nay. Preparation. I knew that God was preparing me, but I didn't know why and I didn't know how, but I wish I knew then what I know now. That it was all preparatory time. I thought sometimes it was pointless. Maybe like Jehoash thought when he just struck the ground only three times. I don't know, I'm just doing this because the man of God told me to. They sent a text out and said, you need to be at midweek. So I'm just going to put two or three arrows down here and call it quits. First of all, can we just talk about the arrows? Look at verse 15. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Everybody's not going to pay for you to get the tools that God called you to carry. You're going to have to work for your own tools. <laughs> are you with me? There's some people in this church that I know that are craftsmen and builders and construction workers, and they do a tremendous job. And when you hire them, we have to pay them accordingly because them tools weren't cheap. And the experience they carry isn't cheap. Are you here? And we ought to treat people who are of the house. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. The people who are of the household of faith, we ought to treat them extra good. And we shouldn't always walk around and say, well, since you go to church with me and I go to church with you and we're Christians, you owe me the Christian discount. Trying to get over on people. God never called you to have the gospel get over. Quit being cheap. Amen. 
Well, that was for free. Look at somebody and say, the pastor was preaching to you right there. I know he was. <laughs> you got to get your own bow. You got to get your own arrows. Ain't going to hand everything to you. And the Bible said, and he did so. Arrows are not meant to stay in the ground. Arrows are meant to soar in the air. That's where they're supposed to go. So why does God have me hitting the dirt here? Why is it 2024 and I'm not soaring? Why is it that I feel like all I do is hit the ground? Every prayer I pray hits the ground. Every song I sing, flat, <laughs> hit the ground. <laughs> why is it God has me hitting the dirt? I'm tired. He knows I want to use my Saturday for my me time. God had me out here at the drive through food pantry loving on people. I don't even love these people. Come on, because sometimes we do things out of duty instead of love. And the Bible says if we don't do it out of love, we're a sounding brass and a tink we're a noisemaker. How many know some noisemakers? Don't point at anybody. I'm out here just hitting the dirt. God has me out here down low when I should be up high. I saw them other people's Instagram accounts. They just living their best life out here. And God's got me back here greeting people, cleaning the toilets. Sister so-and-so had a mess in the bathroom. I had to clean it up. They told me to change the trash bags in the trash cans during service, between services. They told me to wipe the windows down. They told me to take this bag of dirty diapers out to the dumpster. I went out there and couldn't get back in. Nobody could hear me. It was cold. It was rainy. About got mugged coming around the door for because everybody ain't saved that attends here. Come on, somebody. You know I'm having a little fun up here tonight. Why does God have me over here greeting? Why does God have me over here ushering? I don't like to ush. <laughs> Why does God have me over here with these children serving? I want my opportunity to grab the mic. I want my, I want my chance. I want the lights to be on me. I want the haze juice flying. I want... I want the camera people all up in my nostrils. I want them to see the gift that God has on me. It don't make sense for me to sit here and strike the ground when I'm supposed to be flying in the air. Maybe pastors overlook me. I've been here longer than them other folks. Sometimes it does not make sense when God is preparing you. Sometimes it don't look like the promise that God spoke over your life. But I come to tell you the cross didn't make any sense. A slingshot that killed a giant did not make any sense. A rod in a hand across the Red Sea did not make any sense. But God is just like God to take you to school by putting you in a class that don't look nothing like your calling. What am I going to use this algebra? You ever said that? But it was a prerequisite. It's like the little girl in our church one time that told us God had called her to be a missionary. So she wasn't going to go to college, she said, because she was going to serve the Lord. I said, sis, maybe you should go to college and learn the language of the field you're trying to go to. 
Maybe you ought to get a business degree so that when you actually get there, you can transact business and buy property while you're there. Do you know every time we'd go to camp and she'd have to sleep on the floor, she was the first one to complain. Every time we took a, a, a load of people somewhere in the van and she didn't have to sit in the back instead of the front, she was the first one to complain. I said to myself, she ain't called to nothing. <laughs> what she is called to is to be grounded and take a belt to her hind end and let her know. Well, anyway, that was, <clears throat> that was my flesh talking. I thought she was supposed to be a missionary. Some people only want to be in the spotlight. Nobody want to help me right there. Lions and bears don't look like Goliath, but they're the perfect preparation for what God is taking you to. And if you can't handle a little bit over here, how's God going to give you something over here when the real pressure comes and people betray you and people talk about you behind your back and lie to your face and, and you poured your soul out to them? <laughs> Write this down. Everything is preparation. I have to show up to class every day because God is using the teacher, even the teachers I don't like, to prepare me. I had a speech teacher named Mr. Vargo, and he smoked cigarettes and drank alcohol at lunch break. And he'd come up behind you and lean over your desk, and his breath about knock you down. I didn't like that man. I'm just telling you, it was my experience in the ninth grade. And he'd be breathing on me and everything, his, his foul odor out of his, I mean, just smelled real bad. I didn't like the teacher, but that teacher used, God used him because I didn't realize that in speech class, when I'd get up in front of all them young people and talk, that God would one day have me standing before people. I didn't like the teacher. I can handle Pastor Hill, but Pastor Hilton, he just tried, he's too mean. Pastor Hill, he'll love on me and hug me. Pastor Wayne will be my friend. He'll, he'll give me a fist pound in the hallway. Pastor, he'll get, Pastor Hilton get up here and be preaching mean, trying to call me out. <laughs> Sometimes you don't like the teacher that God is using to prepare you. Oh, I wish I could talk here. God is using every experience to prepare me for my calling that he has upon my life. Every trash can I empty, every wall that I paint, every window that I wipe down, every postcard I give out, every offense, every heartache, every setback, every betrayal, every breakup, every hurt. Can I talk to somebody? I, every time they didn't shake my hand and I thought they were snubbing me and the real truth was they just didn't even see me. But maybe this won't take your pain away, but if you would start seeing your pain as preparation, then maybe God would accelerate you at a faster pace and bring you out of this place you're at right now where you feel the doldrums and you feel complacent and don't feel, feel like God has already. If you would look at that and say, this must be the preparation of God. Imagine that God would accelerate you at an accelerated pace and bring you into your promise a lot faster. Whatever did hurt you will become a healing to where God's taking you. If you can see it as preparation. Can I talk to somebody? God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. Can I prophesy to you? God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. 
It wasn't a failure. It was preparation. It wasn't wasted time. It was preparation. God was sizing me up for my graduation gown. Amen? So I don't always, I don't always like what the teacher says. When they pass out assignments and homework. Remember that first day of school, you're like, just give me a chance to acclimate. And they give you the syllabus and you're like, we got a test on Friday. We ain't even, we ain't even got our books yet. But write this down. I have to learn to trust the teacher. <laughs> I have to trust God no matter what's happening. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. So before I close tonight, I want to go back to 2 Kings chapter 13. Elisha is near death. What a mighty man of God. Did twice the amount of miracles that Elijah did. But the Bible said he's sick. The prophet is sick. You mean people can get sick that serve God? It happens. He's about 110 years old, and he gets angry at the king for striking the ground only three times. And to me, it's just a mystery. I mean, I really don't understand. I have really dissected this passage, and I, I mean, there's a couple takes you could take away from this. But to understand Elijah's or Elisha's aggravation, I have to understand his preparation. He expected out of the king what he expected out of himself. So I have to say, why is he aggravated? Don't get mad at the people that are aggravated. Don't look at their aggravation. Look at what they went through to have the preparation they have. And they're trying to raise you up. But his preparation goes all the way back to a four-letter word by the name of plow. You ever heard of Brother Plow? He was a farmer. Elisha was a persistent farmer. He had to be. He knew what it was to persevere during dry seasons. When you're in farming, you have to, you're really depending upon the weather. When you have 10 acres out somewhere and you're planting a garden and raising the cattle and sheep and roosters and goats, you're going to have to depend on God. Come on, somebody. When you are natured, to do hard work, you have a hard time understanding lazy people. Thank you, I believe I'll say it again. When you are natured to hard work, you really have a hard time understanding lazy people that are all just sitting around waiting for their check at the first of the month. Anyhow, not everybody. Not everybody's lazy. But some people they be lazy. How could, I have to think, what was Elisha thinking? How could this king only put three arrows in the ground? I put my hands on his hands and showed him how. I showed him, I walked him through this. Do you remember when Jesus said to his disciples, have you not been with me so long and you still don't know who I am? Have you ever reached a point of aggravation with your children? If I have to, want it, say my name one more time. If I have to tell you, if I've told you once, I've, I've already showed you how to take the trash out to the curb. I've already showed you how to wash a dish. 
I've already showed you how to make your bed. I've already taught you how to put a fitted sheet on the mattress. I've already told you how to keep your car clean. Nobody want to help me here. I put my hands on your hands to show you how I guided you. I instructed you. I prepared you. And Elisha knew it's going to take a whole lot for us to secure victory over this enemy. And I need you to be prepared before I go. Elisha had a teacher he could trust by the name of Elijah. And I love the stories about Elijah, but we'll talk about that at a different time. Elisha was an anointed prophet of the Lord. He had been into the school of prophets ministry. He came up under Elijah's school of ministry. I don't know what it was called. I don't, maybe it was called leadership. I don't know. <laughs> but he spent, if you, if you track this and you research this, he spent 10 plus years studying under the man of God. He was close to the teacher. I have to believe that when you're close to someone who's leading you, you will see their imperfections. And you have to be strong enough, wise enough, humble enough to even receive from someone who's imperfect. Because you know that God is using the teacher to shape you in the positive and the negative. Anybody who's transparent enough will teach you what to do and what not to do. So I don't fault and criticize the leaders who have come before me. Well, I would have done it this way. You're not the teacher. But there will be a day when you will be. And what you have sown to this teacher, you will reap yourself. If you were hard to deal with, God will give you people who are hard to deal with. Somebody said, well, prove it. If you sow to the wind, you will reap a whirlwind. I could go on. I want you to take a moment and ask yourself, have you been easy to, to deal with? <laughs> Don't look at anybody. Elisha had to teach, Elijah had to teach Elisha how to do things so that his promotion would come. And there would be a day, but preparation had to take place. And here's, here's what I want you to write down. The key to receiving provision is to make preparation before you can perceive it. When, when the teacher tells you already, I want you to start doing this right now then that's when you are already reading between the lines and saying, okay, I don't know exactly what the preparation is, but I perceive there is a strategy behind this. Was it, uh, okay, who was it? Uh, what was the name of the instructor for the karate kid? Mr. Miyagi. They thank God for secular people. Amen. They knew the name of Mr. Miyagi. Do you remember when he was having, um, what was his name, Ralph Danielson? Yes, there it is, there it is. Remember he was saying, wax on, wax off. Remember that? And, 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 and the young student got so frustrated. Why has he got me doing this? Because 
The instructor was teaching him a principle, but it was preparation for the promotion. At some point, Danielson, <laughs> Ralph Machio, is that his name? Would have to understand that there was and perceive there was a reason for all of this rudimentary, simplistic, hard to understand, why is this is not what I signed up for, I want to be able to fly through the air. And so when Elisha follows the man of God, Elijah, and when Elijah lays his mantle upon him, and it was a transition moment. When Elisha is being called now out of the, out of the farming field to follow after the man of God. And so God begins to use him and take him through a process. Elijah had to have a successor. Now I want to say something and I have to preface it because there's always people in this room that will be tweeting out something that wasn't said. But they will listen and say, well I don't know what's going on. At some point if God calls me home to glory or if God shifts me, and I'm not looking to shift anywhere, I just want you to know, there'll be another pastor here to take Bethel Family Worship Center farther than I could have ever dreamed. I hope that there will be a mantle exchanged at that moment. That God will raise up a people on the west side there it is. <laughs> Took me a minute, but I'm worth waiting on. <laughs> God will raise up somebody, and God will launch multiple campuses from this campus. Are you with me? Where God would take us into uncharted territory. During preparation time is when we have to discover all that. How we act. I've wanted to bless people that did unblessable things. The congregation didn't know nothing about it. I knew about it. The leadership knew about it. I don't want it, ever, it to ever be like that. I think it ought to be a blessable thing. Every move that Beverly and I have made in the kingdom, in the work of God, has always had a blessing on it. We have never met, we've never left a place in a mess. We've never tore the garment. We've never betrayed the confidence. We've never left a place talking bad. We carried ourselves with character, integrity, and dignity. And we even covered because that's what you do. If you want God's blessing, I don't know why I'm saying this. This is not in my notes. But if you want God's blessing on where you're going, you have to have his blessing on where you are. And so there had to be succession because there is no success without a successor. So we're raising up just like you. You're raising your children, right? They carry your name. 
right? They have your DNA in them. When I look at our grandchildren, they have my blood in them. <laughs> my wife's blood in them. All of Ethan's people, their blood is in them. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. When you look at your children, they have your blood in them. Your DNA. And what a compliment it is when people say to you, you look, y'all look just you like. Amen? You're like, thank you. You're raising up succession. And in the ministry, it's no different. In leadership, it's no different. It's not about me. It's about the people coming behind me. Who am I raising up? I mean, this is the season of my life where we are at a point of just who can we raise up? Who can we raise up? I, I don't need to. It's about raising people up. And Elijah was a, wasn't a perfect prophet. He was depressed a lot. Um, if we would describe Elijah today, we would say he's been in therapy and counseling, <clears throat> been on some meds. Y'all don't want to amen me. But the Bible says he was depressed. I mean, it teaches us that he, pout, he was a powder. He got underneath a tree and wished to die. Anybody been there? I'm doing all this. Ain't nobody doing what I'm doing. <laughs> God said, hush, I've got 7,000 who have not bowed their knee yet. You're not the only one, Elijah. Get up. Get up. <laughs> now notice what the Bible says in 1 Kings 19 and 19. When God gave him instruction and told him who to anoint, he said, Elijah went from there. Everybody say, he went from there. Where did he go from? Where was he? God said, go, to, go from where you are to there. And he found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. That means there was, he was behind all of those oxen plowing in a field as a farmer. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. It was a moment of exchange, a moment of transition. When God began to complete a work, he was shifting something in the kingdom. He was preparing succession. Elijah went from there and found Elisha. You will never get where you're supposed to be until you find you're there. Elisha was doing what he was supposed to do when Elijah found him. But notice this, Elijah, when Elijah found Elisha, Elisha wasn't TikToking. He wasn't preaching with a microphone. He wasn't posting on Instagram. He wasn't playing Xbox with people in China. We know that Elisha would become the prophet that would take the reins from the teacher, the man of God. And for the next 10 years, he pours water on the hands of the prophet. He enrolls in the school of ministry. I don't know what it cost. And while he's serving, he's not prophesying. 
And while he's serving, he's no longer plowing in the field. At least he could get a tan. He's serving, pouring water, running errands. And he learned all of that because he was faithful with the oxen in his father's house. It was preparation. And Elisha enrolls in Elijah's school of prophet and becomes his right hand. And I think to myself, God did not have Elijah pick somebody who you would have thought would have filled that role. He wanted someone that knew how to plow. Mm. I get calls all the time from people that want to come preach here and minister here. One of the first questions that I ask when I return the call and talk to them is I ask them, who, who is your spiritual father? Who's your covering? If they cannot name them quickly, I already know this conversation will not go anywhere. I cannot bring a hireling into this house who only just travels for the money. When they come, they got to have a word from the Lord. We got enough preaching in this house already to save Indianapolis 20,000 times. So when we bring in a prophet, an apostle, an evangelist, a pastor and teacher, fivefold ministry into this house, it is for the perfecting of the saints. It is for the working of ministry. Are you here? Elijah needed to find someone that knew how to plow because there are times in ministry you're up and then there are times that you're down. And the Bible teaches us, even gives us the illustration, those that mm, put their hand to the plow but look back, they're not fit for the kingdom. So you have to plow when you feel like it and you have to plow when you don't. If you're willing to plow, God will provide provision. And provision will take you in the flow of your direction. Stand to your feet, if you will, all across this building. Now, I know it's uh, a teaching night. I feel a witness of the Lord here tonight because God specifically took me back into this passage because someone needed to hear this tonight. And I asked the Lord, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And here's what I sense the Lord is saying, and I want you to hear what my heart is saying to me. I believe that you and I have experienced the presence and the power of God tonight because someone else made preparation. How many of you are here tonight because someone else invited you or led you to Christ Jesus? You are where you are because someone made a way for you. My parents raised me to serve in the church. They raised us to serve in the kingdom of God. Just because I was a PK didn't mean I got to hang out in the hallway or stay in the green room while everyone else was in the sanctuary. Mm. I, had, I had to work behind the scenes, kids ministry, music ministry. We had to do transportation ministry, usher ministry, landscape ministry custodial ministry, media ministry, nursery ministry, hospital ministry, 
All of these things as a young person that God was raising us up. And you know, this is the thing. If God has called you with a great calling, you don't have to have a pulpit because your platform for ministry is everywhere you go, everything you say, and everything you do. So when I'm in the marketplace at Kroger, God can use me there. Amen? We have a nursing home ministry that meets once a month. If God's called you to ministry, go to the nursing home. Be it drive-through food pantry. <laughs> Look down your row and say, we got to know how to plow. So if you're here tonight and you're at a transitional moment where you, you, you've been faithful and you're asking God for the more, God knows what he's doing. And I want you to focus on the preparation and see God is doing something great. Wipe on, wipe off. Wash on, wash off. He's preparing me. Don't complain about sweeping your bedroom. What if God wants to give you a mansion? You're going to have to know how to sweep it. Come on. Don't complain about serving in the nursery. If I serve in the nursery, I won't be in the big church. What if God wants to give you a big church? You have to serve your way to everything you have. That's the way it is in the kingdom. So I'm not going to complain. I'm going to remain. Say, God, what do you want me to do? If you feel a call of God on your life and you don't know what it is or maybe you know what it is, but you sense a call of God to do something in his kingdom, whether you know what it is or you don't, come to the front here tonight. I want to know who I'm praying for. The call of God is upon your life. Stand where I can see you. I want to speak life over you as they sing. And if you're on the sing team, I mean the praise team, and you, you say, I need to be out here, then just stay down in this altar. Somebody else will sing it. I have a call of God on my life. You, and you may not know what it is. You may know what it is. But everything that you're going through and doing is preparation. Preparation. Pastor Hill taught me when we would go do nursing, or excuse me, we'd go to the hospitals to pray for people. He said, well, we're going to go in here, we're going to pray for these people, and we're going to leave. We're not going to stay and camp out and stare at them. Worst thing someone who's sick needs is someone coming into their room sitting for an hour staring at them because then they feel like they have to entertain them and they're the ones sick. <laughs> so we'd go in there and we'd pray and out the door we went. And I was hoping he would take me to Mr. Steak to get me a meal after that big outing of ministry. <laughs> well, you're, you're a happy bunch tonight. <laughs> I was a young, young preacher, young in the ministry. I didn't even know I was a preacher. But I knew I was, now I know I was preaching every time I was running the vacuum. I was preaching when I'd get on the riding mower and I'd be mowing in the churchyard. I was preaching. I was paving away. I'd be singing and praying in tongues and the Holy Spirit just be moving upon me. I was having a God moment. Glory to God. Be faithful where you are. Remain humble. Nothing you've been through is going to be wasted. 
He's going to use it all. Everything that you're going through, God's going to use it all. Everything that you've experienced, God's going to use it all. And I would say to you, keep striking the ground. Hallelujah. Even if you're stirring up dirt, it's on your toe and it's on your legs and it's dusty and it's not flashy. But if you're where you're supposed to be, then you'll be where you're supposed to be when your call comes. Nothing will be wasted. God's preparing me for promotion. I want you to just surrender to the Lord. Maybe slip your hands up. You don't have to, but if you want to, you can. But open your heart right this moment and ask the Lord to soften your heart because he wants to take that heart of stone out and put back a heart of flesh back in where you can be tender again. God wants to make you better, not bitter. And ministry and life, when life happens, it can make you bitter. When you get hurt at church, you can say, the next church I go to, I'm not doing anything. I don't trust people. I don't trust the leadership. I don't trust the congregation. I'm going to come late. I'm going to leave early. Holy Ghost, speak to us tonight. And maybe you're in a place where you feel uncomfortable. And so it's been easy just to kind of float around and not have real commitments and ties because you you get too close and, and you start feeling uneasy because God's after something in you. He wants to develop you. He's trying to take you to a place where it's not just going to bless the ministry and the kingdom. He wants to bless your children. He wants to bless your future. He wants to bless your finances. He wants to bless your career. He, he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you in the middle of you walking in your calling. He wants you to live in provision. He wants you to be blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm speaking to someone you don't have. Listen, whatever God asks you to give up, I promise you when it's the appropriate time, God will repackage it and give it back to you more. <laughs> whatever he asks you to give up to sacrifice for him, I promise you at some point in your future, he's going to repackage it and he's going to hand it back to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, speak to someone's heart tonight here. I want to assure you, you are right where God wants you. You're right where he wants you. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right, the scripture says. Keep your eyes on him. Don't let ambition make you blind to where you are. All of this is proper preparation. All of this is blessing. All of this is my father, my father, and the horseman. The supernatural is coming to you. Reach up and claim that. The supernatural is coming to you. The favor of God is coming to you. The mantle of heaven is resting upon you. Your vocal cords are not tired. You will sing. Hallelujah. He will do it again. Thank you, Lord. Yes.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Though you may feel heavy laden, though you may feel bent over, may you feel bowed down with care and bowed down with uh, seasons that you didn't understand and you couldn't predict. Praise your way in it. Praise your way in it till God accelerates you through it. Everything that you're doing right now is preparation for every station and every stop on the road because ministry is not a ladder you climb. Living for God in His kingdom is not a, a rung on the ladder where you are promoted upward. Ministry is a road you travel. And in one town, you're the mayor. And the next town, you're the janitor. And the next town, you're the landscaper. And the next town, you're the clerk. Because <laughs> God will not let anything be wasted. Oh, I feel, I feel an anointing in this place. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost, to have the word here. Mm, God is cross-training someone. Oh, he's making you so valuable. I'm gonna slip through the crowd here. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. God is cross, I hear it is. God is cross training you. He's making you so valuable in his kingdom. <laughs> he can trust you, one. He can trust you. Woo. And with that comes great responsibility, but a heavy anointing upon your life. God's cross-training you. It's been hard. It's been very difficult. But God has trusted you with it. <sighs> Holy Spirit, I, I, I speak the anointing. The load that he's been under, God, I, I don't know, but you know. The load that he's been under, in Jesus' name, you're building strong muscles in this man of God. You are, I heard the Lord say cross training and he took me right to you. God's training you in all these areas. <laughs> Woo, let him complete the work in Jesus name. I'm going to lift your voice at this moment and thank God for his healing and his guidance and his direction. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Not my will, but your will be done. I thank you for the healing. Continued healing in Jesus' name. Made all completely whole in Jesus' name. Faithful. Faithful is this man of God. God's put a fire in you. Hallelujah. God's put a fire in you. God's put a, a mandate upon your life, Nick a calling that is upon you. God's given you great wisdom because you have been willing to ask questions. <laughs> and the Bible said, if you lack wisdom, ask of the Lord who shall give it to you liberally. I've already seen in my spirit, you've, been a, you've asked questions and that God has supplied answers to you. Hallelujah. And this last season, has been a very strenuous one. I don't know your business, but I, I sense has been a very strenuous one on your mind. But God told me to, to, to tell you that you have a mind that can comprehend it. 
And you're going to look back over your shoulder and you're going to know it was the hand of God that was preparing you. Hallelujah. I speak an anointing upon you, new wisdom to come on top of that. God's going to impart to you, not just in the little, but in the large. Hallelujah. Ask the Lord. Because you've already been asking him questions. Now ask the Lord, what does all this mean, God? Hallelujah. And allow the Holy Spirit to make it real, make it plain. You're a father. You're a husband. You're a Christian. You're a child of God. Hallelujah. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon you. Oh, Father, I thank you for your presence. Come and worship him. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 